0: Welcome to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. My name is Harold Nickel. Lately, we've been talking a good bit about corporate governance and issues that have made it clear where a number of failures existed. This week, Ren is going to discuss with us the ways that practices from Agile can be used to improve the overall work and practices of boards of directors for privately owned, publicly traded, or even non Profit companies. So, Ren, I guess broadly speaking, any board defines what the organization does, who it serves, and how it does all this and determines how performances are measured, right?
1: Absolutely, at a strategic or a very high level of course. Um, getting into the weeds, no. You know, boards need to avoid getting into the details, right? Mm-hmm. But they set the strategy, they set the tone for the organization, and the overall expectations and guidelines.
0: Yeah, I, that's right. But I guess some qualities are, are tougher to, to quantify, like, like leadership. What are some ways that an agile board can demonstrate leadership?
1: I think a lot of what, and, and this is where it's kind of a challenge, is when we think about board leadership, it's it's fairly um, isolated, mm-hmm. right? Most of the interaction of the board is either with, directly with key stakeholders, like major shareholders or major donors, if we're talking about nonprofit boards, mm-hmm. or with the executive leadership team. Okay. And, and even they don't even often go deep into the executive leadership team, to be honest. Honest. A lot of times it's... Um, sometimes it's just the CEO and no one else directly uh-huh. interacts. I strongly discourage that practice. I think it's very unhealthy. Um, and I've seen so many cases where CEOs have um, abused that
2: uh-huh.
1: relationship. And I encourage boards to engage as deep as possible. And, and we can go into this a little bit more as we talk, but mm-hmm. um, one of the things that we suggest when I'm consulting with boards is whoever is leading um, or most accountable for delivering business value that's on your radar, mm-hmm. you need to make sure that you're talking to that person directly.
2: Huh, okay.
1: So one of the things that we talk about in, in Agile is face-to-face com conversations, right, right? Yep. over tools, over processes, over all that other stuff, email, <laughs> over over even PowerPoint. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said it. Face-to-face <laughs> is more important than PowerPoint. Uh, and I mean it. Mm-hmm. It even comes to that degree that if there is a really um, key strategic uh, initiative or something really important, you don't want to have that filtered through layers of Leadership, mm-hmm. you want to have that conversation directly with the person who's most accountable for delivering that.
0: Yeah, I think I just want to pile on in agreement. Not not just because of the things that you said, but also there's so much more to interpersonal communication than words on a screen or even a phone conversation. There's a lot of nonverbal signals that people give off even unconsciously to, to communicate. So Mm -hmm. yeah, hooray for face to face. (laughs) And And I guess too, it seems to me that agile management practices are focused on, on outcomes, whether it's an outcome for a week or two. Would a board of directors that employed agile methodologies, would they be more task oriented or more Um, outcome-oriented than merely oversight-directed?
1: I wouldn't say more task-oriented. I mean, boards in general wouldn't get involved in that level of work. Outcome-oriented, yes. Mm -hmm. So when we think about one of the biggest things we learn from a scaled agile framework when it comes to strategic planning for an organization is when we fix a budget for a year, so we agree this is what our budget's going to be for a year. And we fix our timeline. So we have a sprint every two weeks. We have a planning increment, say, every 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Then the whole organization focuses its attention on business value. And you deliver as much business value through this system as you can. Mm-hmm. And that's... How we measure it, business value, not the number of user stories, not the number of tasks, not the number of features, not the number of epics, because we can game the system. Mm -hmm. Anybody can game the system and make the features, for example, um, so small that they're not meaningful. But we delivered 200 of them. (sighs) Well, who cares? (laughs) What's more important is what is the defined business value? And what a relief if you're on the board, because I'll be honest, I'm I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Part of the, one of the worst parts of the board is the financial report. hmm It rarely is in any context, right?
2: Yeah.
1: And it it's just the just blah 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 numbers.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I would guess half to three quarter of us mentally fall asleep. Oh yeah. Because, again, it's not in context. And so it doesn't have any meaning. It's like, who cares how much money we're spending if we don't know what we're getting for it? Yes. So in the boards that I've worked with when we've made this shift, it is such a huge relief. You know that your budget is fixed for a year. Right. All you have to do is that fifth quarter ask yourselves how much you want to adjust it and you keep a rolling budget every quarter you're making an adjustment to that do we want to mm-hmm. go up 5% do we want to go down 5% how do we want to adjust it across our strategic initiatives mm-hmm. do we want to give a 10% more and take 5 from b or and 5 from c those are literally the level of conversation you're having those are very easy very contextual conversations then most of the meeting is two things. What's the business value that we've delivered Mm
0: -hmm.
1: since the last meeting? What does the organization commit to delivering by the next meeting? Doesn't it sound exactly like a stand-up? It does. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And that is largely what it winds up being, you know, as an organization. What have we delivered from the last meeting what are we going to do for the next one? Um, and it's all focused on business value. Uh-huh. And it gets the board away from these painful conversations. And trust me, people who aren't, have never been on a board, trust me, these are painful conversations around managing budgets and headcount and, you know, they hate it. Uh-huh. They all hate it. And that is part of the, the relief of going to an Agile board is you can commit to something for a year that's usually not very hard as far as the budget you have a defined cadence it's very predictable it's always the same Mm -hmm. right that's lovely that just takes a lot of ambiguity um and noise (laughs) out of your life you get to focus all your attention on business value and governance and imagine how much more time you're going to have for real governance <clears throat> when you're not spending an hour of every board meeting talking about the budget.
0: Yeah, and I loved your description of the rolling budget. It builds in some um, some room to wiggle, for lack of a better way to say it, some elasticity and... Um,
1: it- Exactly. Because doing these big thing budgets are actually are extremely ineffective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's like a crazy amount of science behind this that they're just horrible. Yeah. Our ability to predict the future is pretty limited. Um, and what we can do when we do a rolling budget, and you do it by a quarter, which ideally you'll line your um, agile release train uh, planning Increment to your quarters Mm -hmm. it makes it easier for everybody (laughs) Um, and you just every you just plan another quarter another quarter another quarter so you finish one quarter and you've got the next four planned out you finish another quarter you get the next four planned out you always have a a year in front of you um your budget planned out
0: yeah that's makes so much sense Let's talk about uh, team makeup or board makeup. I know that Agile and Scrum teams will typically have members who have a certain type of skill. Their membership is based on those certain skill sets. So should a board of directors that wants to leverage Agile methodology, should they do likewise when it comes to recruiting members and deciding who sits on the board.
1: Absolutely because one of the and we've seen so many tales of this there's so much evidence that a board that has groupthink or like think yes that has a homogenous approach to problem solving and planning um, is uh, always going to be a drain on its organization mm-hmm. a group with a diverse Uh, perspectives. Does that necessarily mean that you have to go out and recruit a a bunch of people of color and women? Not necessarily because diversity of perspectives can come in all kinds of packages. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But the really successful boards where they've really helped their company um, drive sustainable growth, and business value, those boards do reflect, one, the company, so as far as the domain knowledge, or like they have a, a, a certain number, have really strong financial services skills if it's a bank,
2: uh-huh. right?
1: They also reflect the overall stakeholder model, so the community in which this company operates. mm uh-huh. So some of the biggest things they've found, again, going back to financial services, is that um, boards whose customer base is largely female and their board has a significant female composition, the boards actually outperform their competitors. So we're starting to see um, boards being more... uh, more uh, pull recruitment instead of push recruitment. So traditional traditional board recruitment is, hey, we need a new board member. Anybody know anybody?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right, and you tap a friend. And we're seeing more and more boards saying, no, we're going to go out and pull. We're going to go out and find the right candidates. Mm-hmm. We're going to look for um, specific skill sets, specific domain knowledge, uh, specific uh diversity to bring into our board uh-huh. and one of the things we're starting to see now on topic is <laughs> boards are recruiting people with a uh enterprise agile experience uh-huh. because they're recognizing that as their organization becomes more agile, so does the board okay because, so, i mean which makes a lot of sense right absolutely. The board needs to understand why (laughs) the organization is doing this. And we've talked about how reporting and governance changes in Agile. It looks very different. It operates differently. And the board is governance. They are, you know, they are the top. It doesn't get any more about governance than them. And so they really need to understand what this means for them and how they need to change their behavior and their expectations.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and just to sort of scratch that a little bit harder, the topic of board membership. I guess I'm thinking that the ideal board that employs agile that they that they're like the all star team that they've got expertise at every seat at the table, and not just mm-hmm. like you said, does somebody know somebody? Is that Is that true?
1: Very true. And I would even go further, and this is one of the things that I haven't seen as much, um, I'm hoping to see more of over time, is when we're talking about the skill and knowledge compositions of the board members, that they follow the, and we've talked about this before, but in terms of um, people on the scrum team, but boards should have T skills as well. Mm -hmm. So remember, that's that one thing that you really, really are good at and then other things that you're, you understand you're okay at.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So every board member should have one thing that they're an expert in and, and they bring that expertise to the board. But they also should have, so the the arms of the T should also be around financial acumen and governance. So mm-hmm. they're, they're good at those things and they're really great at one thing as well. Um that will really help the uh conversations and the composition and the overall performance of the board.
0: Yeah, I, there's also emphasis in agile practice on on people. There's an emphasis on people and the value that they each uniquely deliver. Most boards are about data, you know, budget like you had told us and mm-hmm. the bottom line results. Is there a way to reconcile that point of view with the Agile way of doing things?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the reasons why we budget the way we do in Agile organizations is because it's, let's be honest, it's a lot more people-friendly mm-hmm. than, you know, having arbitrary Productions in force and department Z over there and over in H we're hiring, right? right. That is very confusing and, and hard on organizations and is demoralizing. Right. Um, one of the reasons why we focus that on boards is because we're trying to create an emotional barrier between the decisions we're making and the impact of the decisions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Think about that. That's really why you know, executives and board members depersonalize this. Because if you know the names of all the people who you, who work for you mm-hmm. and you are in a position where you might have to take those jobs away,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's going to be hard to sleep at night ever.
0: Yes. So
1: think about why we do the things we do. As we scaled... And as those that impact became greater and greater, and the emotional impact became greater and greater, we depersonalized. Yes. So we focus on headcount, right? We talk about people as resources. Uh-huh just like we talk about electricity as a resource and gasoline as a resource and wood as a resource, right? Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Because we're depersonalizing. So I'm not going to lie and say that coming into an agile world is going to be easy because we're repersonalizing this. And we're repersonalizing it because you're asking people, for most of the people who'd be listening to this podcast, you're in a knowledge industry. You have knowledge workers. Right. And they are more successful and are motivated by a sense of purpose. That sense of purpose comes from the board, primarily. Uh-huh. We, de- With the board, I'm talking about myself on the board because I am on some boards, but the board delegates that to the executive team, but it really comes from the board, and no one's fooled. It comes from the board.
0: Right.
1: And what Agile invites us to do is repersonalize this relationship. Have it again with the people who are actually delivering value and do it in a way that it feels it's less risky to the board. So again, you're only making a financial commitment for a year. Uh That's That's all we're asking you to do. And we're not saying if some of the performance problems you're still going to keep them on for a year. You're still going to deal with performance problems the way you deal with performance problems today. Right. But we're going to take... All that unnecessary angst and noise out of the system by committing to this budget for a year and just leaving it alone Mm -hmm. and committing to the schedule for a year and leaving it alone, right? Right. And what we're going to do as a board is then we're going to say, what is our purpose this year? What are the epics? What are the big things that we really want these people to focus all their energy and their talent and their creativity and their innovation on? And that's what we're gonna direct them to. We're gonna create that purpose.
0: Yeah. That's that you know, I asked about it being reconciled and what you just described is is perfect. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk a little bit deeper about day-to-day corporate culture, directors mm-hmm. bring bring an outside point of view to the company. And like you had told us before, they bring an outside perspective using insider data. Mm-hmm. So is it reasonable to, to think that an agile-driven board would have a more positive influence on a corporate culture?
1: There's definitely an opportunity, especially if they accept the invitation. Mm-hmm. Of being a purpose driven organization, I mean we look at um the most um celebrated and obvious example is Apple mm-hmm. The Apple board is a purpose driven board, and they have created a purpose for the entire enterprise. That's true, and they doing have taken well. all the science that we know about agile. And knowledge workers, and they have institutionalized it, uh-huh. institutionalized it. Another company is Google, taking the same things that we're talking about and institutionalizing it. Uh-huh. And created these environments, both companies are well-known. Um, I won't speak for the third-party manufacturers for Apple, but everybody else who works for Apple are very happy people. They Uh love their jobs. They're very proud of the company they work for. Same thing with Google. There's a few others, right? Uh
2: Um,
1: And they are clear, purpose-driven organizations. And everybody in that company aligns behind that purpose. This is what I'm going to do to deliver my my piece of that purpose. And that's where we really can see boards, having a very profound and positive impact on the organization. Mm -hmm. Where on the flip side, we talked about last week, right, about how boards can have a very detrimental impact. Oh, yeah,
0: without a doubt. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Here's an opportunity to have a very positive impact.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the two companies that you mentioned, Google and Apple, (laughs) there's people who um, they get the top talent because everybody wants to work there. Mm So, yeah,
1: I think that... uh... One of the things that they've created, too, so one of the things they use a lot, especially Google, is Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: by the way. And they filter a lot of their enterprise decisions through that. So one of the things you're solving with, like, the first one, um, first couple, physiology and security, when you have a, you know, predefined schedule and a predefined budget, you take those two things off of people's worry list. Mm-hmm. I know what my schedule is and I know I'm here at least for a year. Right. Good. Yep. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's really kind of interesting. A lot of this stuff like, you know, um, they, you know, Google notoriously pays for all beverages and all food. Why? Because mm-hmm. you just took that part of the brain is no longer worrying about that and thinking about it when they're at work. They're thinking about work. You know, and and Apple has talked about that. There's just certain things we take away that they just don't have to worry about. These are great things that a board can really have a leadership position in, their company, and saying, what are the things we want to take away? The other thing that happens when you get that strong sense of purpose and belonging in in an organization is, it's not just the employees that want to belong. Why do people love, pay more for an iPhone when it does less than a, than a Galaxy? Right. And a Galaxy is less expensive because they want to belong to Apple and they want to belong to the group of people who have an iPhone. hmm So when you create that within your company, that sense of purpose and the sense of belonging, that actually winds up extending – to your customer base. And that's when you get these really powerful relationships between the customer and the company um, and deep relationships between the two.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting because um, I'd never heard – I mean, I, I knew that uh, people who, who bought Apple products were very devoted to the company, but I'd never heard anybody explain it that way before. That's, uh, that's really interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, because so, they've signed on to the purpose of that yes. company. They've, they've bought it, and now they're part of it. They belong. They have that sense of belonging. Which, by the way, remember, belonging is hard-coded into our brains, into our DNA.
2: Oh, absolutely. That's why
1: yes. rejection is so powerful and almost physically painful. Oh, All yeah. of us have been rejected at some point in our lives, right? Yes. And it is horrible. It's physical. We feel physical pain when when we are rejected, right? And it's because um, of our evolution. We're fragile creatures compared to all the other animals on the planet. We need each other to survive. So belonging to a community is essential for our survival. And when we have that strong sense of belonging as a group, there isn't anything as human beings we haven't been able to do. All of our greatest achievements, you can go back to this group of people had a strong sense of cohesion and belonging. And that's why they were able to accomplish the impossible or the nearly impossible.
0: Okay, so let me ask the same question about corporate governance
1: mm-hmm.
0: Will a board that employs agile practices be better able to enhance governance?
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that um, I've personally witnessed and, tri- and helped companies with is when we have an agile organization, but the board isn't agile, mm-hmm. then what we have is a break in the governance. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about agile governance and, and specifically, or more specifically, the scaled agile framework and its multi-layered of governance and how you have this top to bottom transparency within the framework. Mm-hmm. Right so enterprise all the way down to the teams the teams all the way up to the enterprise. The the struggle with that is in so many organizations that have employed SAFe or another form of enterprise agile mm-hmm. the governance breaks right before you get to the board. All the reporting everything changes and goes back to traditional, you know, project program style governance. Mm -hmm. And you lose that transparency. Mm. And so if an organization is going to be truly agile, then you need to um, be agile all the way up to the board. What happens if the board doesn't become agile in its governance practices? The rest of the organization degrades. It goes back to traditional project management and program management, mm-hmm. and then you hire someone like me to come back two or three <laughs> years later and improve your Agile practices, and we say to you, but you know if you don't go all the way up to the board, we're going to be back here in a couple of years. Yeah. Because remember, the the board really sets the tone for the entire organization. And so what people see is, oh, well, the board's not Agile. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. trickles
0: down through the organization. So true. I guess the, also what I hope, at least, is that the agile-driven board of directors, that there, that there is a change agent or that they are change agents for the betterment or the better of the organization. Do you find that it typically is?
1: Yes. And again, there's there sadly very few examples of truly agile boards. I'm hoping, you know, I want to want to get more out there. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are out there, yes. And it's fascinating when you, when you spend time with their board meetings, are completely different. Oh. The traditional board meeting I mentioned is, it's usually a day, a full day. Mm-hmm. You spend somewhere between half of the morning to the entire morning on financial reports Hmm. (laughs) sometimes more than that sadly Um, and it'll be different cuts like you'll you'll have benchmarking and you'll have some competitive analysis and you'll have budgeting and reporting and all this stuff and it's numbers on a page usually with little or no context um, if we're honest about it Mm -hmm. and the afternoon then we get into some some the meaty stuff where we talk about the cool stuff that the executives want to do. The agile board is very different. And they spend, and we, I talked about this earlier, remember, it's, well, what has the organization done since the last time we met? Right. What's the plan for the next time? What do you want to get done the next time? What have you committed to? What are your stretch goals for the next, by the next time we meet? And the rest of the meeting is around things like, what can we do to remove systemic barriers? How do we get more business value through the system?
2: Uh-huh.
1: And that is how we started seeing conversations, like the notorious ones now at Google, about how do we change the architecture so people feel more comfortable working together. Mm -hmm. how do we remove some of these distractions? Well, we buy them food, we give them, you know, all the beverages they want. We change the out of cubes and we get them pots. And it's these constant conversations about how do we make this a better work environment for knowledge workers? Mm -hmm. How do we uh, create rewards and recognition that knowledge workers like because remember knowledge workers don't don't do well when you have a carrot and sticks incentive system that actually creates worse performance so the more the higher the bonus the worse performance
2: Uh
1: so much science behind this is kind of hilarious and yet we still try and give people more money to encourage knowledge workers to do better, and it never works, and it actually degrades performance. Mm-hmm. So you get conversations at the board level saying, "Well, what can we do, you know, to um, get, you know, in, in, get do the right kind of rewards and recognition that will encourage more innovation, encourage more creative problem solving, et cetera." One of the things that a former client of mine is doing or did. Is they took the, everybody who wanted to, the entire company to go see the new Star Wars movie. Oh, how fun. So they took half the day off and they, and they paid for everybody to go together to go see Star Wars.
0: That's neat.
1: Right. Because yeah. they they know their community, they know who their people are, they know what they're interested in, what they're passionate about, and they're like, "Let's go, let's do it, let's take the day off." You guys have had a great quarter. Let's take the day off. Let's go see Star Wars. Yeah. Um, you know, I've worked with other companies where, you know, um, one one of my favorites is if they delivered all the business value they committed to plus their stretch goals. Mm-hmm. during their innovation and planning sprint, the team would get to decide what they wanted to do for a day. Oh. And there were times they went bowling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, there was one day they all took NASCAR driving lessons. Oh man! You know, each team would pick, Agile release trade was at that level, each train would pick what they wanted to do. Oh my gosh. And these are things that the board can engender. The board can, you know, Really go okay. Let's let's talk about what are the things. One company I worked with, mm-hmm. they had a kick ass year. Mm-hmm. Chairman of the board said, "You know what? I think we should take the entire company and their significant others to Hawaii for the week." Oh wow! And that's what they did. They shut the whole company down for a week. Luckily, they didn't have a customer service. <laughs> it wasn't that type of a company, so they were okay. Yeah. They told people months in advance, so everybody could make arrangements, uh-huh. including their clients. We're going to uh-huh. be gone for a week, um, and they took the entire company to Hawaii, and it wound up being, you know, I think it was around five or six hundred people. Wow. There are, these are great incentives, and you know what? People came back from each of these, and their next quarter was even better because it's, it's tapping into that sense of belonging and purpose, and we're doing this together. Mm-hmm. That's what really moves an organization, and that is where a board can really deliver a lot of value. What excites us? Why are we here? Mm-hmm. Why are we on this board? Why do we care about this company?
0: Yeah. That's... And
1: make that, the, the, build that into the culture, right? And create these opportunities to say, you know what? They do really well. Another company, let's give everybody an extra day off of vacation. Yeah. You can use it however you want. It's your day. Yeah. You know, I guess there's a yeah, lot I... of different opportunities out there.
0: So you named a couple of names. You talked about Agile, or sorry, about Apple and um, Google. Can you can you tell us about any other examples of Agile-driven boards? Like, and are you able to name them by name?
1: You know the ones. The the other examples I gave you, I can't unfortunately. But okay. um, one is a manufacturing company. Um, okay. Another one is a data company. Um, they produce massive amount. They collect massive amount of data and put context around it and mm-hmm. uh, deliver that to business. So it's a business to business data company. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones who, and I think that's one of the things that I love is that the data company is the one that always does these very physical activities. Mm-hmm. So they learned to drive NASCAR. They went bowling. They, you know, they they did these very physical things. The manufacturing company, which is a more physical one, they went to Hawaii. Yeah. So I always, I always was kind of amused by that. Um, and and you notice the scale too. Like you know, could Apple take everyone to Hawaii for a week now? No. The, yeah. the scales weight that out of proportion. But there's things that you can figure out there's a the
0: right scale for your company. Well, I I figured that um, there'd be some excellent lessons in this and I was never more right. The other is that, you know, nobody <laughs> has to really look very far to see that lots of companies are really challenged by issues of governance and there's plenty of shortfalls that caretaker boards of directors who are just that, merely caretakers, or who provide a rubber stamp for the CEO, have that leave the company, the employees, their customers and shareholders in a very tough position when there is a crisis of governance. And, Ren, thanks to you, um, hopefully they'll see that there's another better path for them when they employ Agile, so... Thank you for for sharing that with us, and thank all of you for listening. And remember to come back next week for another edition of The Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg.